Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. The historical challenge of vaccinating kids. Oh, this is going to be interesting one for me as a parent. Okay. (laughs) Vaccinated children with new vaccines has historically never been easy. The pushback scene for vaccinated children against COVID-19 is not an uncommon issue and actually is pretty similar to some previous situations. 1955, people rejoiced as the polio vaccine became available in the United States. Yet two years later, the vaccination rate amongst children remained about 50%. Why was this the case? There was a strong supply of vaccines and fears about the vaccine safety and efficacy had been put to rest with lots of research. Even so, many remain hesitant to inoculate their children. In the 1960s, doctors began giving out doses of the vaccine in sugar cubes. It wouldn't be until 1979, 24 years after they introduced the vaccine, that polio would be eradicated in the United States. Vaccinating children against COVID-19 has followed the same story as polio. And for that matter, the same story as vaccines for HPV, chickenpox, or measles. Rhetoric around death rates of COVID-19 in children has made some parents feel that they would rather avoid the vaccine with the assumption that their child would be fine if infected with COVID. So this mentality has made the vaccine campaign for children even more difficult. While there are parents who adamantly oppose the vaccine, there's also a group that is not necessarily opposed but they have just not yet felt the need to do so yet. We have not reached a point where COVID vaccines have become widely mandated in schools, and we may not get there for a little while. For now, staying the course and sticking to persuasion, educating parents on the vaccine safety, and importantly, its efficacy and usefulness is a strong option. Eventually, we'll get to the point where vaccinations are far more common for children, but allowing parents and families to reach that conclusion on their own is important. Yes, yes. (laughs) I agree with this story. I do. I mean, as a health educator, I completely understand, yes, we need to get our children vaccinated. Yes. But as a parent as well, there's always hesitancy, especially with something new. It is our duty to take care of our children. It is our duty to not put them in harm's way. And so anything new is going to be looked at like, wait a second, let me see. And so, I mean, it's just, I don't think there's a parent out there that wouldn't at least hesitate and like, let me look at this research. Let me see what's going to happen first before I give this to my child. So. I agree. I agree. (laughs) As a health educator, I get it. Dr. Derry, I get it. But as a parent, I just I just need to see first. I need to see. Uh, Listen, Hope, 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent. Every time you talk about your children, we do these over Zoom, right? So I can see your face. You're always beaming when you talk about your children. Yeah. Obviously, protecting your children is 
the number one thing to do. There's no question about it. And of course, when waiting is perfectly fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but let's just be very clear. There have been two things that have extended the life of humans, clean water Mm -hmm. and vaccines. Yes, 100%. But these are decisions that are incredibly personal and I'm not a pediatrician. So for me, my medical life starts at 18 years and older. So So it's an easy cop out for me. (laughs) But these are important decisions. And I will say this, HPV vaccine has been incredibly successful Mm -hmm. given to teenage girls and boys. We could potentially eradicate some strains of HPV, especially those that cause cancer. And we're at the point now, Hope, it's an interesting story in that they're starting to change guidelines for young women who were vaccinated for HPV. If they have had a normal exam, like one or two normal exams over the course of like five years or so, they're done with their pap smears, with their pelvic exams. Yeah. (laughs) I love telling that to women. who. (laughs) Are you serious? And that's going to be adopted? Like, seriously? Like adop- the, That is, yeah, I think that's ACOG's position. ACOG is the American College of, yeah, of Obstetrician and Gynecologists. Yeah, it's, if you've had several negative PAPs, you'll never have to do another PAP ever again if you've gotten all three doses of the HPV vaccine. Well, now, see, I am mad I missed <laughs> that. <laughs> Man. Gosh, that is amazing, though. Every time I tell that to to somebody your age and older, it's the same reaction. And I feel you. Trust me, I was an ER doc in a, in a women's hospital. I feel you. The early part of my career, I was an emergency room physician. So anyway, the point is vaccines are great. Yes, vaccines for children are great and these are very personal decisions (laughs) to go back right (laughs) covid measures help to prevent dengue all right this is awesome all right dengue is another mosquito-borne or vector-borne viral illness that is also known as breakbone fever because it hurts so bad right the pain is so difficult the thing with dengue is that there's four isolates of dengue so if you've been infected once you're protected against that that isolate but you could be infected with three other isolates as well all right so uh An early March study in The Lancet found that public health measures enacted to prevent the spread of COVID-19 also prevented more than 700,000 cases of dengue fever in Latin America and South Asia. So when the pandemic first hit, many experts on dengue were worried about a spike in cases because disease control measures like spraying for mosquitoes would be halted. But they saw the opposite effect. Dengue, which is spread by mosquitoes, was probably tampered most effectively by restrictions on movement. Researchers suspected that school closures may have played a key role in the decline of dengue. The main species of mosquito that transmits dengue fever are daytime feeders. So dengue control programs that focus on people's houses leave schools and workplaces as blind spots. Interesting. This helps public health organizations better understand how to manage the spread of dengue. Instead of concentrating mosquito control efforts on homes, 
they should focus on public spaces. These findings could also help to understand other mosquito-borne viruses. Absolutely. And now that we have mRNA vaccines, I wonder how close we are to getting a dengue virus vaccine. Dengue does have an element to it that can be particularly virulent, which causes this very severe illness. I've seen it a few times before. It's a hemorrhagic illness. And so being able to prevent dengue and being able to prevent dengue, particularly through vaccination, especially if we can get the mRNA vaccine, and I'm sure they're looking at the use of mRNA technology for dengue. I haven't heard anything about it, but I'd be shocked if they weren't. This would be wonderful. Yep. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast, follow us on social media, and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Pickerson, at hopepickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D R D E R Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefilterthshow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your healthcare providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right. <laughs>